hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hitchcock Minute, a Movies by Minutes production, third season where Movies by Minutes podcasters come together and take on a film in a collaborative effort, breaking it down one minute at a time, each group getting a chunk of minutes. And I'm happy to say we get to open this fantastic new season, the Hitchcock Minute. I'm Alan Sanders of The Wilder Ride. I am Walt Murray, also of The Wilder Ride. And it's called the Hitchcock Minute, Walt, because it's going to be focusing on a Hitchcock classic. So we're not calling it the North by Northwest Minute. We're calling it the Hitchcock Minute. So I'm only hoping that if this is very well received by the listening audience, we may get to do more Hitchcock movies in the future. I hope so. I hope so. Hitchcock, of course, is one of the most... um, Famous and popular uh, movie makers of all time, so it would be great to explore several of his films. All right, so I already kind of gave away it's North by Northwest. That's the that's the particular movie we're doing. But before we even get into this, and folks, I'm going to introduce uh, some of the other groups that'll be coming in the following weeks. Walt, you and I get to do minutes one through ten. Let's just open up Hitchcock. What do you think about his body of work, and and, and just do you have a favorite Hitchcock film? Oh wow. Um, you know, everybody's go-to is Psycho, which I like, but it isn't as um, it isn't as exciting uh, or you know spellbinding as it probably would have been for a um, um, an audience of the time. Um, I do like The Birds; that's kind of a creepy movie. Um, and you know, I, North by Northwest is probably right up there. Maybe The Man Who Knew Too Much. Um, those would probably be my my top picks, and not to say that I wouldn't watch Psycho again because it is a great movie. Um, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't keep you on the edge of your seat like it probably did for an original audience. You know, something about Hitchcock that I think I know more of his shorts because remember in the '80s there was a reboot of the Alfred Hitchcock show, yeah, mm-hmm. and they had some of the uh, classic episodes and it's sort of the Twilight Zone ish stories. And then you go back now, thanks to YouTube, and you can watch some of these. 60-minute shorts or sometimes 30-minute shorts. North by Northwest, I think, is my favorite Hitchcock movie. And I think it's because it represents a James Bond movie before James Bond. Yeah, it, it is. It, and I had not really thought about that until you mentioned that to me a couple of days ago. But it definitely does have that air about it. I mean, it came out three years before Dr. No. Obviously, a British director, Alfred Hitchcock. Everybody saw this movie. This was This was a hit. This was a massive hit when it mm-hmm. came out. It was a long movie, a little over two hours, and I know the studio wanted him to cut it short, but he was very happy with his cut of the movie, and he only took uh, a few seconds total out of the final product uh, saying, oh, my my contract allows me to keep it as is. So he, uh, he, he, I think this movie, although the difference is in James Bond, James Bond is an actual spy. He's an actual right. agent. In this movie, North by Northwest, what I love about it is it's an everyday, ordinary American who's been mistaken for a spy or an agent or somebody in in espionage. Everybody else is exactly like a James Bond movie. You've got a charismatic boss. You've got all this nefarious stuff going on. You've got all these plots, locations. People are always just missing him. You're having to. It's 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 a thriller, but it's it's heightened because he's not an agent. He's not a spy, right? And you've got that that element of him having to think his way out and fight his way out and work his way out of every situation. And so you you have a character who is a, who is smart and wily enough to get himself out of situations, even though he isn't a spy spy. 
And for someone to work in the industry that he works in, you, you got to be pretty sharp and pretty fast on your feet anyway. I know we're, we're not, we're not going to jump too far ahead because we're going to talk about a lot of these opening minutes about how this all transpires. But I think that's why this movie is one of my favorite Hitchcock's movie, Hitchcock movies. I mean, I do really like The Birds. I think that was one probably, I, I'm pretty sure that's the first Hitchcock movie I ever saw. We watched it with my mom. She was a, loved Alfred Hitchcock, loved his TV show. So I got introduced to Hitchcock as a child. I got a chance to see a lot of his movies. Uh, and I and I love the fact that before the Mel Brookses of the world, he was the guy that was like, well, I'm going to appear in every one of my movies. Right. <laughs> and he does. He, in fact, I remember they were talking about one of his shorts about these guys being lost at sea in a lifeboat. Like, well, how are you going to make an appearance there? Yeah. And he goes, well, it's easy. One of them will have a newspaper and I'll be on the front cover. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> Because you do you have a person who's got a newspaper, and if you're not paying attention, Alfred Hitchcock yeah, there he is. is on the newspaper, so he's in everything. Yeah. And we're going to get a chance to see Mr. Hitchcock in one of our upcoming minutes. We are. We are. And oddly, that movie that you were referencing is called Lifeboat. Lifeboat. Yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of the things that I grew up with, uh, just talk about where my love of Hitchcock comes from. You know, I remember, we were a little bit older, so I grew up where I had, like, records that you could listen to. Some of them had came with books that you would have a little, turn the page. Oh, yeah. But it would be an audio record you put on your little record player. My mom bought me an Alfred Hitchcock album, and it was basically short little stories, narrative, that you could listen to. And they were all kind of spooky. It was I called remember this. Alfred, I think it was called Alfred Hitchcock's Haunted Stories. Yeah. And I had, it was a full-length album, and it starts off with him coming out. And he's in, a, and you can hear drips. And he's like, "I'm in my basement, and I've got dripping pipes." And he's, just, and it's, it's him, you know, narrating the opening. He goes, "So while I'm dealing with this, let's go to our first story." How do you do, boys and girls? My name is Alfred Hitchcock, and I'm delighted to find that you believe in ghosts too. After all, they believe in you, so it is only common courtesy and politeness to return the favor. First of all, let me say that I have always been curious about those things which makes the average person's blood run cold with fear and horror. But then the average person becomes upset over such simple things as a door opening, footsteps in the hall, A dripping faucet, as we seem to have here. But you and I are above these things. However, it might be best for me to get a wrench and turn that water off completely. While I'm doing that, why don't you listen to the first story? The Haunted and the Haunters, or The Pirate's Curse. It's about the housing shortage some years ago. And it wasn't really like a record record, like a vinyl. It was a plastic no, record, no, it right? was a, No, mine was vinyl. It was a black, like it was a 33 to 3rd LP. Yeah, I remember that. And so the first story was a story about going and visiting, um, like the, this kid was visiting a uh, like a work site overnight, and they were kind of screwing around, or he, maybe his friends left him or whatever, 
And as you, oh, that's right. His, his friends left him. He woke up, and as he was lying there, all of a sudden a rat comes in and is at the at the other end of the room and just sat up on his haunches and then looked at him. And so the kid's thinking to himself, "Another, it's just storytelling, so we don't see it, we only hear it." And then suddenly a bigger rat comes in, and they whisper to each other, and then he sits up, and then they start talking to each other. And the whole thing is by the end, they realize they're just waiting for the biggest rat to come in so they can all eat him. And I'm thinking as a kid, I'm like, "Oh, oh my yeah. god, how terrifying mm-hmm. must this be?" But I'll never forget this whole album was. Every time we came back between stories, Alfred Hitchcock would be, well, I seem to have got a problem in my basement still. That pipe is now dripping water much more, much more quickly. And you hear the sound of water splashing. The next story, he's like, well, I am now knee deep in water in my basement. So let's go to the next story. By the time you flip it over, you go through all the different tales of kind of, I guess, scary, but not horrifying for a kid. But right. seriously. I still remember it. That's how much of an impact. By the end, he goes, well, I would really appreciate if you would stop listening to the record now as the water is up to my neck. And he's like, please, no, sir, turn off the record now. And he's like pretending like an officer. And that's how it ends. I remember this. It's a good thing to know if ever you are staring into the darkness and you see something staring back, simply say, boo, and it will go away. I really can't go on much longer. There's only about three inches of airspace between the water and the ceiling. If you will be good enough to stop this record now, before the water can rise, I shall be more than grateful. Hurry, please hurry. So I loved that album. I listened to it all the time as a preteen. My like seven, eight, nine year old self loved this record. The storytelling elements, which it was sort of like radio theater because they yeah. had sound effects and things. They had different people doing the voices of other characters depending on the story. But that was my first, besides the birds, that was my first introduction to Alfred Hitchcock. I, I would guess I saw Psycho when I was around 10 or 11. It's really when I started watching a lot of movies. And I think it was just on TV one night when I caught it and uh, kind of freaked me out, you know. But um, as time went by, it wasn't a, as big a deal. But I, I do remember having that book and that album. And um, it had to be a popular thing because I think I'm, I've mentioned this before with other people and just mentioning the story about having this. And they're oh, yeah, I, I think I had one or my brother had one or my cousin had one. Like everybody our age kind of remembers it, but can't remember how you have it. Um, obviously, other movies that I really liked by his, I love Vertigo. Um, you know what's funny? You mentioned Psycho. For some reason, every single time an opportunity comes for me to watch Psycho, something else pulls me away. I have yet to watch Psycho. Of all of his famous movies, I've been at the Universal Studio showing how they created the breakaway shower door uh-huh. to create this camera effect of being able to move in, in and around the studio. Some of his technical achievements are just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, how they made the guy with, with Vertigo feel like he was disoriented and what they did with the camera at that time was innovative. We look at it now and go, what is this, like a 70s bad made-for-TV movie? But the craft, But you realize like Vertigo is like 1956. It's it's old. Yeah. And these like the movie we're going to talk about today when we get to it with North by Northwest, the idea of this sort of thriller, we take it for granted because thrillers are so popular. Yeah. But at the time to watch as a moviegoer, this simple storyline unfolding before our eyes and realizing he's in trouble and he doesn't even realize it. He keeps getting deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole and we're only 10 minutes in and we realize What's going on? Yeah, he's in he's in big trouble. Yeah, I love it. I love uh, I love how Hitchcock does pace himself that way with the stories. 
But, you know, I, I, I loved Vertigo. That was 58. This was 59, North by Northwest. Uh, Psycho came out in 60. The Birds, which is a big one, in 63. And then I'm trying to think of the other couple that I know that I saw. Um, what was Dial M for Murder? Yes. Was that, was that Hitchcock? Oh, I believe sure. so. Yeah, Dial, yeah, that was 54. Oh, Rear Window. That's another Rear one Window that is another great one. That is. Yeah, that's a great. So here I am. I see all these Hitchcock movies. I haven't seen Psycho. I'm going to make a point of seeing it. But um, I didn't. I just love that we're getting a chance to break down this particular movie because it is my favorite. And I guess we can do a quick plug for our season because this yeah. is going to overlap with us. We're getting ready for our third season. And before we even knew about this project, why don't, why don't you let the audience know what we're doing as our standalone movie by minute season? Yeah, we're doing the great Gene Wilder movie, Silver Streak. And there are a lot of parallels between this movie and Silver Streak. And when Cary Grant saw this movie, saw Silver Streak, he went to G- Gene Wilder and goes, did you take us? Did you take it off of North by Northwest? And Gene Wilder goes, "Yeah, we took a lot of it, the, the concept from North by Northwest." So what a no- wonderful tie-in for us. Yeah, you even have a biplane. You have all kinds of all kinds yeah, of. Yeah, but I think the biplane is used a little differently in Silver Streak. Definitely a little <laughs> bit differently. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go ahead and dive then into this minute, this opening of North by Northwest. Open with this uh, a green tinted MGM logo with a typical uh, lion roar, and you know just looking at it just from tone and feel, uh, the first thing I thought of was like, okay, why green? And uh, part of the if you look at the cinematography of color, what color can represent, and things like that, I think in this case, uh, being green, you've got the sense of both perseverance, you know, or luck. Hmm. And yeah. when you think about this character, what we're about to see upon rewatching, you realize a lot of luck went into him you know, being able to dodge the situations he's in or get out of getting caught by the right. police. But he definitely perseveres throughout this. So there's almost that sense of the, the luck of the Irish. To, that's the first thing I thought of was the luck of the Irish. Mm-hmm. Why, why start off green? And then immediately you start seeing bars form. I'm like, oh, so like a jail cell. So did your luck run out? That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, because as the bars come in, it definitely looks like a jail cell. That's what I thought. And then I was like, okay, but now it's kind of a grid. And then all the credits in this first minute will follow sort of the lines of this grid. And I'm not sure what the grid was when I first watched it. So as we're doing it minute by minute. So my first thought is, okay, so they're doing a green thing to instead of the black background. Now it's green. So am I supposed to think someone's lucky? Is somebody Irish? Is somebody... You know, going to prosper some, you know, green, they're going to make something, you know, yeah, money or is money behind the plot of the story. And then all of a sudden, all these lines like, oh, so something about maybe that has to do with going to jail or being in trouble with the law. Think about that in terms of just the, the space of about 20 seconds, you're already getting an idea of the tone of this movie. That's funny because I didn't even pick up on that at all. I was like, oh, that's unusual to see a green MGM <laughs> well, logo. see, you have your strong suits and I have mine. <laughs> yeah. I was like, huh, green. <laughs> it's green. Makes me think of Shamrock Shake. Do I have any green jello? <laughs> Do I have green jello? Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> me hungry. <laughs> You are such a caveman. <laughs> I prefer the term Neanderthal. Neanderthal. <laughs> so we get uh, right after the uh, the opening roar, and we get the lines coming in. They uh, they give us, and we hear the, we hear the music coming in. We get Metro Goldwyn Mayer presents, and again, what I like is the way these the the, the credits come in is they sort of come in and they line themselves up, and then they they fall mm-hmm. like. Oh, everything's all ordered, and then, whoa, and they, they dropped off a cliff. Yeah. The 
very first credit we get is for Cary Grant. And I think we have to open this first minute with a bit of a side discussion on Cary Grant. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we could probably have a whole podcast on Cary Grant. Talk about one of the stalwart, awesome, best known actors in film history. Uh, the Kind of the classic leading man. Mm-hmm. He has that strong look. He's a tall, big guy. Uh, was in a, 77 credits to his name. So he's in 77 movies. Uh, his first one, um, I, I mean, goes back to 1933. He was in Alice in Wonderland. And then a couple of his better known movies, uh, 1952, he's in Monkey Business. 57, he was in An Affair to Remember. But you go through those 77 and you basically know all of them. And it's just one movie after another movie after another. And he was born in 1904. Died in 1986. So long life, long, great career. And I mean, literally, it's like, where do we stop with Cary Grant? I mean, just the actor's actor in a lot of ways. What I loved about Cary Grant, what I love about it in this movie, and I like about him in so many roles he's played, is he doesn't necessarily take himself seriously. Right. He's sort of like, he's, he's just handsomely good looking. He's got that sort of... American slash British almost delivery of voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just looks he's he's finely tailored in almost everything, but yet he can crack a joke. He he can be part of a of a comedic moment even in a serious scene. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a, an actor that I just admire from that era. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that I've every time I've seen a Cary Grant film, I'm like, wow, it's Cary Grant. Well, and he is one of those one of those actors that um John Wayne, Clint Eastwood that you just know immediately who he is when you see him. And he uh, he has a distinctive look, distinctive voice. His voice is really interesting. And he has the ability to completely dominate a scene because he is so good. Uh, I, I would heartily recommend, if you've never seen this, if you're a fan of both World War II and Cary Grant, there is a little quirky movie that he did. I, for some reason, it's one of those ones that I grew up watching over and over and over again, but it was called Father Goose. Right. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. And it's a story about this guy who's a drunk, used to be involved with the with the the the, the um, Royal Navy, but now he's just he's got his own boat, and they need spotters along these island chains for the war in the Pacific, and they 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 convince him basically to be a spotter. Yes, I remember this. Yeah, and mm. while he is, and there's a whole lot to this movie, but apparently a boat is stranded where there's a governess and like 15 girls of different ages that Mm -hmm. she's responsible for. And they end up stranded on the island with him. And he ends up being sort of like the shepherd of this group of nothing but all girls, the, 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 the female instructor and all these very young kids. And the Japanese at one point make their way on the island. He's trying to hide them. There's a lot going on. They need to get rescued. But in the middle of it all, it's a very good, almost like pre-romantic comedy kind of movie mm-hmm. set in World War II. One of my favorite Cary Grant movies of all time. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. I, I've seen that a few times, and it's really and There's probably not a movie that I would think of, that I could think of, that he's not good. Um, you know, he just is one of those actors that can take over a movie and just is awesome every single time. Unlike me, he doesn't stammer around and... <laughs> Forget his lines or his notes or his research. He's just, I I want to tell a quick story about behind the scenes for folks who maybe not know this. Obviously, Jimmy Stewart has been involved in a couple Mm -hmm. of Alfred Hitchcock movies. And when Hitchcock was conceiving the idea of this particular story, North by Northwest, he was working with Jimmy Stewart on Vertigo or had just finished. and And Jimmy Stewart was like, I can't wait to be in this next one. And Alfred Hitchcock had only mentioned it to him to kind of get his feedback on the ideas, the thoughts. 
he didn't realize that Jimmy Stewart took it as sort of like, this is the next movie we are going right. to work on. You're in. So Hitchcock was such a good guy, didn't want to hurt Jimmy Stewart's feelings. He actually waited until Jimmy Stewart got hooked into a new studio deal for a different picture before he turned around and said, well, I'm going to go ahead and start the picture now. Are you interested? And he's like, I, I can't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> and Alfred Hitchcock is like, oh, well, that's a shame. Because oh, he bad. always wanted, Alfred Hitchcock always wanted Cary Grant for this. Even though Cary Grant technically is a little bit older than what he wrote the character to be, he just wanted Cary Grant for this role. And I think it works. This is a guy who feels like he's confident in everything, and yet this is he's thrown in over his head and doesn't know what's happening to him. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he he's confident. He's also a good-looking guy. He doesn't look... 53, which I think he is in this movie. I think it was 55. 55. was shot. Yeah, and, you know, he's playing opposite Eva Marie Saint, who we'll talk about in a minute. She's like 25 years younger than him. And yet it still doesn't have that awkward feel that it, it might otherwise have. No, he, he looked very good for his age. And there wasn't an awkwardness at all as we get through in our... Of course, we don't get any minutes with Eva Marie Saint. No, that's but true. She uh, she's very very good looking, and I love huh. once again. Yeah, that'd be a, that would be a fair statement. Yeah. I, I, but I do like when we start doing Silver Streak. We, we will have no doubt talk about this movie yeah. because of the parallel of her role versus uh, in in the the female love interest in Silver Streak. Yes. Yeah, I look forward to that. All right, let's get to our next credit here. We could, like you said, we could spend the entire time talking about Cary Grant, but that is something that we'll we'll chat about as we move along and other. Movies by Minutes, folks, will be having plenty of time to chat about him. The next credit we get to as we are rolling along is the aforementioned Eva Marie Saint. Yeah, Eva Marie Saint. Um, she was born in 1924, is still alive as, as of our time of recording. And she was actually in a movie this year, 2019. We're recording right at the end of 2019. Mariette in Ecstasy. Don't know what that is. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen any ads for it. But her first acting job was in 1947. She was in A Christmas Carol. So she has a career that spans from 1947 to here we are at the end of 2019 and her other movies about to come, her most recent movies about to come out. She was, um, this is a movie I remember as a kid, 1979, a movie called When Hell Was in Session. She played the wife of Jeremiah Denton, who was a Vietnam uh, POW. Uh, she played in 2006. Do you remember, do you know what movie she might have been in in 2006? Mm. She played an iconic character. She played Superman's mom in uh, in Superman Returns in 2006. Oh my God. So she has had some fantastic roles. Wow. So if I did my math correctly, she's been acting for 72 years. I think that's right. And she has 78 credits. Not a bad body of work. Not bad at all. Now that you know, they wanted somebody else for this role. Do you know oh who, yeah, uh, you were saying something to me about it. You had done some research because uh, you were saying princess, and you got the name wrong. Right, Grace Kelly. It is Grace Kelly. Yeah, they wanted Grace Kelly for this part, but she had gotten married, and she became princess, princess of Monaco. Right, so she was not acting anymore. So they went with Eva Marie Saint. Um, I can't tell you honestly that I I can remember a lot of Grace Kelly's acting. I, I know she was a good actress. But I think they cast this part really, really well. Well, you can see similarities to how Ava Marie Saint was made to look, yes. as well as her kind of mm -hmm. style. 
Grace Kelly still, you know, there's something special about Grace Kelly. No doubt about but, that. But uh, if you're going to have to pick a backup and Ava Marie Saint is it, you did a good job. Yeah, that's a heck of a backup. Funny little story about this, about how particular uh, Alfred Hitchcock is. When he saw Ava Marie Saint on the set day one with the costume design, he was like, oh, no, 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 no immediately took her to a mall store that he knew, right. bought all of the clothes that he wanted her to have. That's right. <laughs> That's yep. how particular. He, in his mind, knew exactly how she should look, and apparently the costume department did not get it correct. They Yes, they did not. So, hey. well, you know, he also had the reputation of having quite an eye for the ladies, so he really, <laughs> really liked her, but really did not like the way they had, had, uh, had dressed her. So, um, really interesting... Uh, you know, old Hollywood mm-hmm. kind of, of stuff there. Oh, yeah. This is, again, a, a different age. Keep different everything age. in context. Mm-hmm. Uh, next actor we've got coming up in big, big, big name, James Mason, who is the who plays our villain in this movie, but a charming villain. Very much like, again, I, I say this was sort of a pre-James Bond. One of the prerequisites of a lot of James Bond villains is there's something sort of sinister but likable. Something about them that yeah. you go... Okay, they're 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 not just rotten and evil to the core, even if they're doing rotten things. No, and 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 you're right. I, I love your description there. That um, he he does have that ability to be likable, even though you want to stomp on him. One of the things um, that's amazing about this whole movie, the premise that we'll get to as we move into the minutes of the actual film, but just to kind of set the tone of what's to come if you've never seen it, and so you're just kind of listening because these are the kinds of podcasts you like is. They've set up the MacGuffin so well, this idea of he's an actual spy. But, of course, a spy is not going to tell you he's a spy. So when he's trying to tell you that that's not who I am, it's like, come, come now. It says, you've got a great act there. You know, like, well, so how do you know if he's telling the truth? Because Cary Grant's character is not a spy. Right. But they're all convinced that he's just playing the part of somebody. Well, that's exactly what you'd say if you were a spy now, isn't it? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It puts him in a no-win situation. Well... So James Mason is interesting. Let's talk about all of his credits here. We're going to go through each one of them. They only don't have that much time. They're only 155. <laughs> <laughs> he he was in one of my favorite movies from the late 70s. Do you remember a movie called Heaven Can Wait? I didn't see it, but I know of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Los Angeles Rams quarterback gets killed, but he shouldn't have died that quick. So he gets put in another body. So it's this kind of big mess. But he was he played Mr. Jordan in Heaven Can Wait. And thinking back on that movie, he, every time he's on screen, I think he's the tallest person on screen. And he really captures every scene. And uh, if you haven't seen that movie, go see it. If you have, you probably remember him. But he has been in stuff like Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, um, oh, there was another one that um, that everybody's going to remember here. Give me one second. Oh, he was in Salem's Lot. Do you remember that? He was in the TV version of that. And he was in Don't Eat the Pictures, Sesame Street at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. <laughs> of all the things you're going to pick, you're going to pick that. It's one of his big credits. <laughs> but then he he also played General Braddock in George Washington, the TV miniseries from 84. And then his final, um, his final contribution was 1985. He played in a movie called The Assisi Underground, where he played Bishop Nikolai, and then he passed away shortly after that. Oh, I can't believe you left off two of the ones he's so known for. I was going to let you... The uh, movie Lolita. Mm-hmm. That's one of the big ones. Yep. But if you were like me growing up as a kid, loving the Disney movies, Captain Nemo, 20,000 yes. Leagues Under the Sea. That is probably the one he's best known for, wouldn't you say? 
Well, I think in maybe our age range, because that was that it, it had already come out in the in the theaters, but right. we probably caught it on video. I know that's where I saw it on TV and then video. I remember a young Kirk the Douglas Disney Sunday night, whatever, like the Sunday night movie. I just knew growing up, I grew up in Michigan and we didn't get a chance to go to Disney World until I moved down in, in to, to the south. And it was when I was a, a late teenager. But so many friends of mine. Talked about riding the twenty thousand leagues under the sea ride. It is really at cool. Disney World. Now it's not there anymore. Right. It was. It, it was really cool. It made you feel like you were going inside the Nautilus and that you were going under awesome. underwater. And you had these divers with the old, you know, kettle style helmets and everything. Yep. And man, that was such a great movie. And I'll, I'll never forget the squid attack on the on the the Nautilus. I think that's, that's the a great thing I remember the most about that movie. Yeah, just awesome. Yeah, James Mason, a, a really likable bad guy. Yes. Uh, and he, of course, the British accent, which carries in through so many movies, mm-hmm. are, you want an educated sounding, likable bad guy, make him British. That is that is so true. <laughs> that is so yeah, true. The entire empire is made out of British speaking individuals, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then we get to a little known guy. Right. Yeah. And the next credit is in Alfred Hitchcock's. <laughs> we don't have go. the title yet, but yes, we, we already got to open with Alfred Hitchcock, but uh, just a, a phenomenal man, phenomenal director, just a really funny guy, but it sounded so droll in his interviews, but just had this amazing visual way of telling a story. He may have been the king of the deadpan joke. Oh, yeah. Because he... Yeah. He had that very, very dry wit, but in some ways it was interesting because he knew he was funny. Mm-hmm. So whenever you saw him, it, it was hard to tell whether you were about to get taken on a ride through, you know, movie hell, or if you were about to get the comedy of a lifetime. So uh, he may have been, when we look back on all of movie history, he may have been in the top two or three greatest directors of all time. He left a mark on cinema that, like, like you said, everyone knows his name. It's sort of Spielberg, Lucas, you know, you just know the name Redford. You know these iconic names. Even if you've only seen one thing, you still know the name. Yeah. And it's worldwide. Yep. And I think that's amazing. And I don't think that there's a, a person like him alive today. There are some that are probably close, but, you know, he even started the whole thing of showing up in every one of his movies and... Um, and I, I love on Alfred Hitchcock presents how it's almost like he starts to tell the story and then you go into the story that he, he has that real likability. Yeah. And then he throws you into these disturbing stories, that <laughs> scare the living crap out of Like it. I said, sort of a, sort of a twilight zone ish, yeah. you know, twisting tales of sometimes terror and sometimes thrills and sometimes just irony yeah. very much. Uh, taking a, a quirky look at the world around us. Definitely, definitely. But we could talk all day about him, and I know we're kind of getting close to uh, the end of this the minute. end of this minute. We do get the movie title that comes up, North by Northwest. And did you know what the initial working title was that they thought they were going to call this movie? Which I think is it was a horrible name, by the way. It would have been a horrible uh, title. I, I've seen this, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Initially, the working title was in a northwesterly direction. Oh gosh! <laughs> no, I don't think I've seen that. I, th- that's terrible. In a northwesterly direction. <laughs> that is terrible. Apparently, that the the head of the story department at MGM, when they were using this as the working title, because they figured, well, we'll come up with a title later, but we'll just call it that for now. Said, uh, well, why don't you just call it North by Northwest? He literally just off the cuff goes, why call it in a northerly direction? Why not just call it North by Northwest? And apparently, according to this story, 
Hitchcock adopted that as the new working title, thinking, well, we'll come up with something better later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he even thought that this is going to be a throwaway title. Hitchcock also jokingly wanted to call it The Man Inside Lincoln's Nose. And the reason why (laughs) is, according to the script, (laughs) until they got on the premises and the federal marshals would not or the the, um, Park Service would not let him do this. One of the jokes was while Cary Grant was hiding, he was going to crawl up into Abraham Lincoln's nostril and then suffer a sneezing attack to make it look as though a sneeze was coming out of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, my gosh. So one of the possible titles was The Man in Lincoln's Nose. (laughs) Other titles were uh, in consideration, Breathless, In a Northwest Direction, and The CIA Story. Oh, interesting. Now, I'm glad they didn't go with The CIA Story, because then I think that lets lets you get an idea too much too early on of what's happening. Absolutely. I love love North by Northwest. You're like, okay, it's... it's, to me, anyway, just hearing it, even today, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I'm suddenly thinking, okay, is it because we're traveling that direction? Is it a movie about travel? Is it about things not, are they intersecting at a particular location because this, by this, is it, are we at a crossroads? What it, all, it opens up a lot of room, and I love the title. And then when you think about it, they start off in New York, and they head to South Dakota. There you go. You have to head in a north by northwesterly direction. And it's one of those titles that you know means something, but it doesn't give anything away. That's exactly right. And I think that's why I don't like the CIA story, because of that. It would have been too too loaded. Yes. You would have expected one kind of movie, and maybe that expectation, you wouldn't have liked this then. They're like, well, why'd you call it the CIA story? He's not in the CIA. Right. This isn't a spy story. Well, but it is, but it isn't. This isn't the first ever spy story. (laughs) Right. right. It, It is. But it isn't. It's it's fantastic, and I, I think as we uh, uh, I think we got one more credit screen here. We want to get to, but I, I wanted to say this while I'm thinking about it about being a spy story, and it goes back to what we're going to be doing for our season three. Is when Cary Grant did talk to Gene Wilder, and they did confirm that a lot of Silver Streak was based off of North by Northwest. Cary Grant said, "Isn't that what makes a thriller so good? When you take an ordinary person and throw them into extraordinary circumstances." And watch to see what happens. It's it's amazing. And that is exactly what this movie is about. Yeah, sure An is. An ordinary person who feels like he's in control of his life. He obviously is a, is, is a kind of a mover and shaker in the, industri- in the uh, advertising industry, right? That whole mad men of Wall Street mm-hmm. sort of thing. But he uh, he's a normal guy and he knows he knows what his world is and what he's about to embark on. This is not his world. Oh, it's yeah. It turns him upside down. And I think that's what makes it such a great thriller. No doubt. Because honestly, and I know we don't get all of the minutes. We only get the first 10. How he slowly ends up in the middle of this is so believable in the pacing and the way it's told that by the time he is knee deep, like in some serious doo doo. I think to myself, there's no way he's getting out of this. And I totally believe he's getting framed here and no one can believe him because it was set up so perfectly. He's either lying, a madman, or he actually is, is, is perpetrating this other, you know, he's, he's a bad guy. That's right. It's like, holy crap. And then I start thinking, what would I do if I was in that situation? And I think that's the beauty of this film. It puts puts us in that same role. What would we have done? Yes, absolutely. And, And I think that's the, in many ways, the beauty of this type of movie is that even James Bond, James Bond is not your normal guy. So we all want to go, oh, yeah, you know, I could be, well, you know, like, you know that James Bond's gone through all this training. He's got this military experience. He was hand-selected to be in this organization. He gets the cars. He gets the stuff. He gets the tailored suits. He gets the best weapons. Well, 
I can't really relate to that. No. I mean, I, that's not my life. But I can relate to going to work every day and then having, you know, in this case, something totally extraordinary happen. You get mistaken for somebody else, and all of a sudden, now you got to fight your way out of it. And you got to think your way out of it. And you got to. And some of it's luck, luck your way out of it. Luck your way out of it. Or you find out that maybe other people are pulling strings you don't even know are there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Let's get to the last screen that we get here. We got co starring Jesse Royce Landis, also with Leo G. Carroll, Josephine Hutchinson, Philip Ober, and a very young but creepy looking in this movie, Martin Landau. Man, no kidding. No kidding. And maybe we can uh, save our discussion on Martin Landau for when he actually appears. I think, yeah, let's do that. But um, a fantastic actor. Just a fantastic actor. I'm looking forward to talking about him. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this first minute of the Hitchcock Minute. (laughs) This first minute of the Hitchcock Minute. Uh, Before we uh, wind this down, is there anything in this minute that I forgot that you had in your notes? There's a ton of stuff in this minute, but I think we've covered it pretty well. Yeah, and this is just the credits. I mean, I, I will add one thing. The grid, we at least get to see at the very tail end. There's a dissolve from the green and blue bars to those bars represent now apparently the uh, the metalwork holding the glass in place on the outside of a, of a high-rise right. building. It's a really cool dissolve. It's very nice. You start seeing cars in the reflection of all the windows, and you yeah. realize, okay, now we're in we, – we don't know yet New York. We can assume that, but just on this, we realize we're in a, a metropolitan area, and we're still watching credits. That's right. That's right. All right. So uh, this is usually your chance to talk about our show, and then that's when you right. get done, I will make sure I give a plug for everybody that's going to be following our first 10 minutes of this movie. That's right. Well, and Alan and I host a podcast called The Wilder Ride. We uh, are going through the works of Gene Wilder one minute at a time in uh, the movies by minute format. We have already covered over the last couple of years Blazing Saddles, which we just uh, finished last year. Uh, well, in 2019. In 2018, we covered one of my favorite movies, Young Frankenstein, which is a uh, Gene Wilder classic. And uh, of course, covered that minute by minute. We have also covered a variety of other show, uh, other movies and uh, kind of shorter blocks and um, stuff like that. So we got a lot of stuff out there. Go to our website, thewilderride.com. Check out all our stuff there. You can find our past episodes, find the other stuff we've done. We've got some Patreon stuff that we've done out there if you'd like to help us out a little bit. And you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ride. Follow us there, and then a button will pop up where you can join our listeners group. You'll be asked three questions just to make sure you're not a robot or whatever. Um, and then, and not that we want to keep robots out and be exclusive, <laughs> but if the robot can answer the questions, great, we'll let him in. And uh, join that, and it's all, there's no politics or religion or any of that kind of stuff. It's just entertainment and uh, mostly focused around our podcast and Gene Wilder, and uh, but we end up covering all kinds of entertainment stuff, and our listeners you know, chime in with all kinds of great Definitely stuff. Definitely a so. fun place to hang out. It is. Let me do a quick plug to, but first, Jim O'Kane, the guy, the brain trust behind the Movies by Minutes collaboration project. Uh, it started off a couple of seasons back with Die Hard and then moved on to John Landis's Into the Night. And now we are on to Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. So we're not the only ones who are going to be doing this. We are going to be joined by some other folks as well. And I wanted to give them a quick plug so you'll be able to mark your calendars and watch for them as their minutes come up. We have the Mandy Sucks Minute, Real Jaws Minute, Minute Impossible, Five Minutes of Bonsai, The Indiana Jones Minute, The Star Wars Minute, Edge of Tomorrow Minute, Rocketeer Minute, Watchmen Minute, Groundhog Day Minute, The Mash Minute, Jay and Silent Bob Minute, Better Off Dead Minute, Scene by Scene with Josh and Dean. So all of those individual podcasts, check out their work, but we are all collaborating together 
to bring you Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. This is going to be great. Those are some great, great guys, and I look forward to hearing what all they have to say. All right, come on back tomorrow for the next minute. Minute number two, we'll continue on with some additional credits going on. And by the end of the minute, we'll get traffic is packed in Manhattan as crowds cross the street next to city buses and more crowds scurry down flights of stairs from Vanderbilt Avenue in Grand Central to the main concourse. All of that coming next minute right here on the Alfred Hitchcock Minute. Okay, so when, when do we get to the killing people in showers and stuff? Wrong, it's the wrong movie. Good evening. <laughs> it's not going to be a good evening if you don't hurry up and get home. Right, I gotta go. Gotta go! Bye! Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill. Wherever you are. Do you want to play the minute? Oh, do you want to watch the minute? I, I thought I just did. I don't it's think just I... credits. Oh, that's right. Never mind. <laughs> do I need to play the credits for you again? I thought you wrote them down. Let me take another shot here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Walt, not acting like a moron. Take one. All right, <laughs> hey, glad, glad we watched that minute. Actually, no, take two. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's just... Walt, not acting like a moron. Take 75. <laughs> It's futile. <laughs> it's, Wait a minute. It's just Walt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like a live action idiot fest. All right. All right. He came up with the opening. So we've got the music. We've got the name of the show. Do we have the name of the show? Wait, what is, is the it name built of the show? in the beginning? What's the Hitchcock Minute? South by South North. <laughs> Remember they had the North Face jackets and the people oh, that got North they got, Face, yeah. people that got fired or uh, sued because they created the South Butt line of a t- of a tire. <laughs> and and North, I th- now if you're North Face, why don't you just let that stay out there? But they made it look like the same kind of writing and logo, but instead of it was North Face, face, it was South Butt. <laughs> South Butt. <laughs> it is the Hitchcock. I do know it's the Hitchcock minute. I hope that it means we're going to have more Hitchcock movies to dissect. Oh, I would hope so. I freaking love Hitchcock. He's so droll. <laughs> he is that. <laughs> I once went onto a movie set Was and he gave a... direction <laughs> to the police. I think I visited South Butt, Montana one time. It's a butte. <laughs> oh, butte. It's a butte, all it's right. It's a butte. Like this movie. <laughs> this movie. It's a butte. I would love to, and I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I, I'm going to try to find, if I can, the audio. I bet it's on YouTube. I hope so. If it is, I might insert some here just to just to hear him opening that narrative and then that last closing. I'm yeah, gonna, that's maybe great. I'll end, you know what? I'll end this minute if I find it. We'll end this minute with him saying, "Okay, if you would please turn off the record." There you go. <laughs> I really can't go on much longer. There's only about three inches of airspace between the water and the ceiling. If you will be good enough to stop this record now before the water can rise, I should be more than grateful. Hurry, please, hurry.